afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Fortnite, 70 WDYM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Natil, how's it going? Pretty good today. It's cold here today. Oh, really cold. I mean, we're talking wind chills in the below zero range. Yeah. Which is stupid. It's April 3rd, okay? It's April. <laughs> what is this nonsense? What's, what's with March going out like a lamb, by the way? Fake news. Well, it's supposed to come in like a lion and go out like a lamb or come in right. like a lamb and go out like a lion. We got lions think, on I both think, ends. I think it was just lions. It was lions all the way down. <laughs> it's useless. It is what it is, I guess. Stupid. I, I don't know. I, you know, honestly, I don't know why we in North Dakota. The weather's just the weather. I mean, we live in North Dakota. Why do we did think we get spring? Why do we think like Nor- <laughs> analogies? Analogies is a hard word today. Work. The... um. In North Dakota, did you know North Dakota is not only like one of the hottest states in the nation, but also one of the coldest states in the nation? Like we're, yep. we're at both ends of the spectrum. We are a land of temperature extremes. North Dakota not- is a testament to man's hubris. Yeah. Man looked in God's eye, spat in it, and said, I will live where I choose. And God Watch said, this. fine. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, North Dakotans, you can't live at the bottom of an ancient lake bed. Yeah, bet me. Hold my beer. Here we go. North Dakota is mankind's hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. Uh, no, I love I love this state. I love living here. The weather just makes things a little more interesting. I mean, who wants to live who wants to live someplace like San Diego where it's just the same weather every day? I don't, right? but I also would like to live somewhere where it's not a hundred degrees in the summer and fifty below in the winter. Oh, come on. Variety is a spice of life, Natil. Ah, okay. Uh, all right, so our show today, we're going to talk with State Senator Yana Murdahl from, uh, she's up in the uh, Grafton area. Uh, Yana is one of the lawmakers who are backing legislation which would end the practice of publishing meeting minutes, right? Currently, counties have to publish meeting minutes in their local newspaper of record. Now, Natil, not surprisingly, guess who opposes that idea? Why don't you tell me? The newspapers. <laughs> I, I could probably tell you why they oppose it. And we've actually had, uh, we had uh, Grand Forks Herald publisher Corey Wenzel on the program defending the practice. Um, I could tell you why. The co- I guess how much it costs counties to publish their meeting minutes in, in North Dakota newspapers. Oh, uh, gosh. For a, bi- for a biennium. Oh, for a biennium. Oh. For, so it's a two-year two budget cycle. <sighs> uh, several thousand. No, well, for all the counties. For all the counties. Ah. Uh, because they all have to do it. It's a law. Several hundred thousand. 3.7 million. Well, way more than I was expecting. I wasn't even going to touch a million. Yeah. That's that's the, uh, that's the, because when they're, when they're proposing legislation, they get what's called fiscal notes, right? So they have to estimate mm-hmm. what the cost of, what the fiscal impact, cost or benefit of a given piece of legislation. $3.7 million to publish uh, over, over the course of a two-year biennium. So... It's uh, it's a not insignificant amount of money. That's a big revenue stream, particularly when you start thinking about, you know, a lot of that money probably goes to some of these, you know, small, you know, weekly newspapers. I mean, it's it's an important revenue stream for them. But but to me, I, I don't know how I feel about this. On the one hand, I, I don't, I, I I grew up a digital person, right? I grew up in a digital age, computers. I have not spent a lot of time subscribing to newspapers in my life. I've delivered a lot of newspapers <laughs> when I was a kid. 
uh, I haven't really been a newspaper subscriber. I mean, it's always been sort of the news is something I've always gotten on the Internet. So I understand the appeal of that. And I understand a lot of people saying print's dead, even though thousands and thousands of people still subscribe to the print editions of their newspaper. I think the general feeling is that eventually is not going to be a thing anymore. So why are we still paying to publish these meeting minutes on dead trees? But I think an interesting argument to make is, do we want the government to be the only stewards of this information? Because if you think about it, when you publish these notices, when you publish these meeting minutes, you've now created a record with a third party, an independent party. So if you have any shenanigans going on with, well, we're going to we're gonna change the dates or we're going to change some light items or so and, and, and you know, get up, you know, manipulate the data towards some nefarious end, you can't really do that when it's been published in the newspaper. You can do it because what this bill would do is say, well, the counties can just publish this stuff on their own website. Well, how long are they going to maintain it? You know, newspapers are, there There are, you know, historical copies of the, the newspapers themselves maintain an archive of their their data. And then you have a lot of, like, libraries and museums that also maintain archives. You know, there's records. So I, I think it's more complicated maybe than some people let on. Anyway, Yana, Yana supports the legislation. She, she thinks it's the way to go. We'll talk with her about that coming up at 1 o'clock, uh, plus the rundown at 1.30, plus your phone calls at 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, did you hear about the, the new thing? We had, what was it? Tide Pods. Remember yeah, when we had the thing where people were eating Tide Tide Pods? Yep, that's old now, though. Tide Pods are passe. Yeah, guess what the hot new thing is, apparently. I don't know that I want to know. I don't. I didn't want to know either, but I learned about it in my local newspaper. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's snorting condoms. Why are we doing that? I don't know. It's a it's a challenge that people are putting out. Oh, jeez. On you know- YouTube. I remember the days when, like, the challenges, the YouTube challenges were just sort of stupid and cute. Well, some of them were okay. Like, that ice bucket challenge thing was cool, and it, and it actually raised a lot of money for, uh, what was it, ALS? Yep, and that yeah. one did very, very well. But, I mean, even some of, like, the ones that weren't about, you know, raising awareness and funds for research into a very, very horrible disease were not this stupid but now, like, we, once we hit Tide Pods, I thought we had bottomed out. I'm afraid we haven't bottomed out. What? I, I could get some of them. Like, I'm going to challenge somebody to see if they can do a certain number of push-ups a day or challenge somebody to see if they can, I don't know, who can jump the first. I, I don't know well, what yeah, sort of challenges that they're doing. But. There, there used to be, like, there was a, a phase where everybody was doing uh, Chubby Bunny. Do you remember playing Chubby Bunny what? as a kid? No. You it you put marshmallows in your mouth and say chubby bunny and you have to keep putting more marshmallows in your mouth and continue to say chubby bunny until All you right. can't say I chubby bunny anymore. Okay. So that okay, was so, that something was like were, that it's kind of cute, it's kind of funny. Yeah, okay. they they were harmless. And then then Tide Pods happened. I mean right. Tide Pods was like an extension of like the the hot pepper challenges or whatever where you where you'd eat something really hot. And have to, like, wait a minute before you could have any milk or something like that. But even that wasn't, I mean, you were still consuming a food product. It's still meant to be eaten. Right. Well, I and I, I don't understand what, what are you doing? Like, snorting a con, to me, that's not even funny. That's just stupid. But here's, here's what I'm wondering, though. How many people are actually doing this? Like, how many people actually ate Tide Pods? Do we know? 
Uh, I don't know. Well, the Tide Pod thing was interesting because it started off as as a joke. Like there was this idea that Tide Pods, like people people looked at Tide Pods and thought, oh man, why do I want to eat this so much? Because it looked like candy and whatever there is. So like people were making memes and fake images of like yeah. Tide Pod donuts and things like that. And it was all fake. Until somebody stuck one in their mouth and posted it to YouTube. And then the Tide Pod challenge became reality. And so I'm afraid that, like, condoms. Wasn't snorting... there something? Wasn't there something about, like, a hoax where they were putting out a thing about people, like, cutting themselves over Justin Bieber years ago? Oh, geez, Didn't really? That... Yeah, there was a hoax about that. I mean, some of this stuff. But I guess what I'm wondering is how many people actually do this? Like, how many people are actually sorting condoms versus. Maybe a very small number of people are doing it, but some reporter picked up on it, and then it just goes viral because someone picks up that report, and then that report gets picked up by somebody else, and then that report gets picked up by somebody else. And the next thing you know, we've created this perception that there's all sorts of people who are snorting condoms up their nose or eating laundry detergent when there's really not. And I I think it's an interesting question because it plays into a lot of the things we're talking about today. For instance, fake news, right? Like, like how, how influential is this stuff really, right? How many votes in the 2016 election, right? Because that, that's where, you know, so, sort of the epicenter of the fake news thing. How many people were actually swayed by, I mean, because there's no doubt Russia was out trying to do something. I mean, they were trying to, they were doing social media stuff. They were putting up memes. They were. They were running ads. They were doing stuff. But how many people were actually influenced by it? Was it actually a thing? And and did and was it amplified? I mean, did it become more effective only after we started talking about it as a thing? You know, I, I think sometimes there's a there's a scientific principle, and I'm not really smart enough, and I'm probably not going to state it correctly. <laughs> but observation changes things, right? Like, if you observe a thing, you also change the thing through the act of observation. And so I, I wonder if when it comes to human behavior, if the, when, when the media sort of focuses its big spotlight on it, if we don't create things. And I, I, I wonder if it's true with, you know, the latest being condom snorting, Tide Pod eating, fake news, or maybe even the perception that this country is getting more dangerous from guns, even at a time when gun crimes are down, when gun violence is down. We are a less violent country today than we have been in past decades. But the perception people have today is that it's actually more dangerous. And we've created this perception that sending our kids to school is like this dangerous act. When it's not, if anything, your kids are safer at school today than they were 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's reality. That's statistical reality verifiable but we create this perception that is something else and i think that's really interesting what do you think 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com we'll be right back don't go away
Welcome back, Rock 4970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Whether it's snorting condoms, which uh, I, I guess is the latest thing that the media tells us that people are doing, whether it's snorting condoms or eating Tide Pods or whatever, fake news, Russians, uh, you know, influencing the election or or the perception that that school has become this dangerous place for for American students. Um, how often do we create self fulfilling prophecies in the media? I mean, how often do we something's not necessarily true, but we create the perception that that it's true, and then it kind of becomes true. And I'm not saying that's true for all of these examples, but. Natil, I think it's true, like what you were just describing with the Tide Pod Challenge. I mean, it, it started as a joke, and then it became real. I mean, do, do you think? Do you think we? I mean, and I don't know that there's a fix for it. I, I, I hesitate even to call it a problem because we're dealing with the First Amendment here. But do you see this as an issue? I mean, do we do this where where we take stories like this and we blow them up into something that they're not? It sort of create a self-fulfilling prophecy? In some cases, I absolutely think that we do. Um, and I think a lot of that is because there's a disconnect between the younger generation and internet culture and the older generation and traditional media culture. Because a lot of times I think that major newsrooms aren't quite hooked in with what is considered internet culture by the younger generation. And so they'll see like, a story somewhere where someone made up a story about someone eating a Tide Pod and run with it. And then they find all of the other like images and things that have been made up to go with this fake online thing. And then it becomes real because it hits traditional media. And I I think that that disconnect is definitely part of the problem. Well, that's part of it, because traditional media outlets have lost a lot of funding. You know, just, I mean, the decline in print media, additional competition from the Internet. I mean, there's a lot of explanations for it. But there's no question the traditional news media has less resources. And so what they get stuck with is are, are a lot of people who are just sort of out looking to. You have, you have people, a smaller number of people tasked probably with creating more content than ever before. Absolutely. And so, I, and so I, I think that could create a situation where they fall into, well, here's the thing, and this will probably get a lot of clicks, so let's write. And I, I think and maybe even starts, it, it's supposed to be sort of like a dog, you know, man bites dog, funny, offbeat story. But then we turn it in, and, and next thing you know, we're doing like think pieces on people eating Tide Pods. And I'm not even sure how many people even did it to begin with. I, I'm certain some did. But how widespread was it? How widespread is this condom snorting thing? Uh, and it's and it's also not just that, too, because I would argue, I mean, just today, I, I was reading an editorial in the state's newspapers from, um, he's a safety officer here in the state of North Dakota, works for the, I, I think it's the North Dakota Safety Council. But anyway, he's talking about the statistics about, uh, you know, crime in our schools being staggering and that there's this epidemic, but he doesn't cite any specific statistics and what what I think is, is he's just kind of running off a perception that he's getting from the media, and the perception isn't accurate. I mean, there's no question that school shootings are bad, and, and they're, they're they're terrible. They're awful. Nobody wants them to happen, and they do happen, and that's scary. 
and that's terrible. But the truth is your kids are safer at school than they were 40 years ago. Statistically speaking, your kids are safer at school now than they were 40 years ago. America is a less violent country than it was 40 years ago. That's reality. But how many people understand that reality on a day-to-day basis based on the drumbeat of coverage they get from the news media? Whatever you think we ought to do, and I'm not, I'm not even saying that that reality means that you have to oppose gun control. I'm just saying it's reality. It's a fact. But I'm not sure it's a fact people understand because the news media creates a certain perception. Just as they create a perception that a lot of people are snorting condoms up their nose. I don't think that that's that true. I would be surprised that, that a lot of people are doing that because that just seems like such a stupid thing to do. The number of people doing it is probably relatively small. The other problem is that even though that number is relatively small, once the mainstream media hooks into something, they start expanding the audience to people that would not otherwise have been exposed to the Tide Pod challenge or the condom challenge. And then you artificially manage to increase the number of people partaking in the stupid activity. You know, it's... um and it's it's not even a modern phenomena too, because I, I think we we just got done talking about how it's sort of tied to. I mean, I mean, a lot of I, I think it's unfortunate that there's a lot of news media reporting that's just sort of oh, the people are outraged on Twitter about so and so, or people are outraged on Facebook about so and so. I hate those news. That's not even a news story. People are angry on social media. I mean, that's not. I, I hate those news stories. I, I I don't know why we waste our time with them. Um, other than I guess they get a lot of play on social media, but I, I, stuff like that bothers me, but it's even like you roll back the clock a lot. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff about, um, you know, like the satanic panic. Remember that Natio from another age? You were, you were too young. I was a little young. I remember the satanic panic. I remember when like the heavy, heavy metal was making kids kill themselves, uh, and and Dungeons and Dragons was making kids worship Satan, and everything was terrible. Um, which I, I got to admit, all the coverage just made me want to listen to heavy metal and play Dungeons and Dragons. But I mean, but it see, was out there. That's I, my point, though, because like you you say that you're like I just yes! want to listen to heavy metal and play Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> while all these stupid articles about Tide Pods and condoms are just going to make stupid kids want to go eat a Tide Pod. I think the same's even true. I mean, we we talked about it back um, when the Parkland shooting happened. I mean, there is there is scientific research that has gone into the idea that one that that school shootings become viral, right? Where, where you'll see sort of echoes when you have one bad one, and then you'll see sort of copycats. And, and even talking about the, how the the Columbine, the, you know, the, the with Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris back in the nineties. Um, that that one is is inspired at least you know thirty or forty other incidents where they could draw a direct line where the people admired what happened in Columbine. So again, there you have a, a situation where uh, you know for me it was the satanic panic. Um, all, you know everybody you know wringing their hands about heavy metal music made me get really into heavy metal music for a while. Um, I think that there could be a more sinister fallout where. Uh, you know, it, it makes people, it makes disaffected people, people who are probably already sociopathic or, or on the edge, tip over the edge and think, well, well this, this is a, this is a way for me to express my anger and my angst is, is to do this. Uh, it's a scary thing, but 
Boy, I sure extrapolated a lot from a news article about people snorting condoms up their noses. But I think it's I think it's all connected. I think it creates a perception where oh, there's a lot of people snorting condoms up my nose. Should I maybe try this? Maybe if I film myself snorting a condom up my nose and put it on Facebook, I'll get more Facebook friends. And if you're listening to this, I'll tell you, snorting a condom up your nose is not the way to get friends. Maybe just try being nice to people. Get somebody a birthday present or something. More to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report, 970-WDY-AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Tonight I'm going to have myself a real good time. I feel like I'm the world, turning inside out and floating around in ecstasy. And until you know, we've had this big mystery this week about who's going to be the keynote speaker at the NDGOP convention. Have you solved the mystery? I broke. I can break a little news right now. Guess oh. who it's going to be? Who's the mystery? Who's the mystery uh, guest? Prepare, prepare to be underwhelmed. Oh man, we talked it's, about uh, this. We talked about the overhyping. It. Uh, it's the Secretary of the Interior, <laughs> Ryan oh. Zinke. You know, I yeah. didn't even. I, I couldn't have even told you the name of our Secretary of the Interior until right now. Oh, he used he used to be uh, used to be a uh, member of the House of Representatives from Montana. I still wouldn't have been neighbor, able to tell you that. Ryan Zinke, uh, not a good get, not a good get, not a great for the Republicans. Get. I mean, I mean, uh, granted, Mike Pence, uh, the vice president, was just here. It's true, and um, we are expecting the president to make a trip here at some I, point Donald during Trump the election is season. Almost, almost certainly going to be on the campaign trail for Kevin Kramer. Um, but they, um, yeah, Ryan Zinke, the Secretary of the Interior, is going to be the uh, going to be for, for the, at the NDGOP convention. Which I, I just, I, I don't know, I don't know, and I don't know how much it matters. I don't know how much people pay attention to this, but uh, Heidi Heitkamp and the Democrats had uh, Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, that's a pretty good get for them. Ryan Zinke, not so much for the Republicans. Um, you know, and, and especially taking how long it took them to nail that down, really built up a lot of hype. Uh, and then for it to be the Secretary of the Interior, granted, cabinet-level position, but honestly, like you said, Natalia, how many people can name who the Secretary of the Interior is? Uh, I, I mean, don't know. I you, can, I you. can, but I'm a, I'm a dork, so I'm not, See, I'm a was, dork about this stuff, Like, if so. it had been, like, Secretary of State? Yeah. I, that, that would be one thing, or the Secretary of Defense? But Secretary of the Interior, not a big get. Not a big get. But? Poor Republicans. It is what it is. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be it. Let's see. What else were we going to talk about? Oh, you know, we were talking about this, uh, that census question. We had a guest last week um, from uh, Rice University, sociologist, talking about this issue over asking about citizenship on the 2020 census. Uh, and we're going to do it. The, the U.S. The Trump's uh, Commerce Department announced uh, too bad they, they should have got the head of the commerce department <laughs> to speak at the NDGOP convention we've got all these great ideas why didn't they talk to us do you know who the you know who the commerce secretary is no yeah it's wilbur ross <laughs> um anyway the uh the commerce department announced that they're going to ask about citizenship on the 2020 census and of course uh democrats flipped out 
And now we have a bunch of states and cities filing lawsuit against the United States government about asking this question. Um, I'm reading now. This is from Reuters. A group of U.S. states and cities on Tuesday filed a lawsuit to block the Trump administration from asking people filling out 2020 census forms whether they are citizens. The lawsuit filed by 17 states, Washington, D.C., and six cities challenged what it said was an, quote, unconstitutional and arbitrary decision announced last month by the U.S. Department of Commerce, which oversees the Census Bureau, to add the citizenship question. Now, I'm wondering, um, how is it unconstitutional to ask about citizenship? I I can understand arguing. I mean, to me, I'm willing to have a debate about whether or not it makes sense as policy to do it, right? I mean, we can have that debate. Does it make sense as policy to ask the question about citizenship, right? Are, are we going to deter the count? Because we use the census is primarily used for apportionment, right? So we're going to we're going to apportion Congress, specifically the United States House of Representatives, based on the census. I mean, that's why the census was created in the first place. Now, since then, we use it as a survey for a lot of other things, um, demographics and whatnot. But, and and from that perspective, people are saying, well, we want to count the non-citizens because, like it or not, they're here, they're using roads, they're using public services. We need to understand what their count is. So if you ask about citizenship, though, you may not count them, you may get an inaccurate count, and then the value of the census from a policymaking perspective is diminished. I can understand that, but how is it unconstitutional? Like, can you, I mean, do you, why is it unconstitutional? I, I don't I, understand. I couldn't tell you. Like, I don't, I don't understand that particular argument. Ar- arguing that something is against, is, is, is unconstitutional usually has to have some root in the Constitution, and I'm not sure what... Do you have a constitutional right not to be asked about your citizenship? No, and I, that, obviously you don't have a constitutional right to not be asked about your citizenship. I can understand some of the arguments that um, our guest made the last time he was on about people can lie... You know, it it really may not have a good impact on the truthfulness of all of the answers altogether. But I don't think that the constitutionality is something you can argue about. Yeah, uh, which means I mean, this just seems frivolous now. I mean, we're just we got 17 states and six cities suing the United States government because they're asking whether or not you're a citizen on the census. And, and the, the thing for me, because Natil, I, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying about, you know, people could just lie or whatever. But to me, you ask about citizenship. And, and by the way, we've asked this question in the past. The census done under Bill Clinton, I believe, included the question. I think I think censuses. Is that the pr- correct plural? Is it censuses or sense I? I would assume censuses. Censuses. That just sounds funny to say. Senses. Well, sensei doesn't sound right either. <laughs> it doesn't. That sounds like something like a like a martial arts instructor. Or is that sensei? Sensei? I don't know. Boy, are we down a rabbit hole. Uh, I, I don't understand the answer to the question. Also, like I understand wanting to get good data for the census overall, but the point is to apportion Congress. And I don't think you apportion Congress based on anything than citizens. And when we asked our guest about this last week, he didn't have a good answer to me on that. If if the, cons- the, the the constitutional mandate for the census, the, the the reason the census is in the United States Constitution is to apportion the House of Representatives. That should be done based on citizenship, nothing else. 
What do you think? 701-293-9000-888-970-93-29. Email talk at WDAY.com. Corey, you're on. What's up? Good afternoon. Um, yes, well, yes, it's the reason it's for, and that's the only reason it should be for. The census should be for is to apportion. Because most uh, municipalities today have much better mechanisms to figure out the how much population they have within uh, their area. Um, namely, usually, like, city sewer and water services are a much better indication of how many people you have within your city than, uh, obviously, census data. And and goes every year, too, versus, you know, census is done only every 10 years. It's, it's a pointless exercise except for apportioning uh, the um, House of Representatives, like you said. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I guess I just don't understand. I mean, that's – and I understand we, we, we're going to – if we're going to do the census – there's to me there's nothing wrong with asking a bunch of other questions too. Let's use it. Right. Let's use yeah. the opportunity once every 10 years to collect some data on our population that we could then use to make to make sound policy choices. That makes perfect sense to me. I have no problem with yep. that. I yep. don't I don't even gonna... have a problem. I don't even have a problem with non-citizens um being responding counted. to it, being counted, but, but they should be counted as non-citizens. They should be counted as non-citizens because it wouldn't be fair for I don't know, Arizona uh, to 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 lose a house seat to Michigan because of non citizens or vice versa or any other state. I, I mean, it, it shouldn't. This stuff matters. I mean, you. I mean, based on the census, some states are probably going to lose members of Congress. Other states are going to gain them. Um, that's the reason we do it is to reapportion. And if that happens based in any part on account of non citizens. Well, now there's a problem, and that, that does. I don't think that makes a person xenophobic for feeling that way. It's just a Congress. Congress should be apportioned based on citizenship, nothing else. Yeah, pretty simple. But yeah, all of a sudden it's become a big debate, um, just like everything else, unfortunately. So, all right, thanks. Have thanks for the call, Corey. Appreciate it. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. Uh, critics of the citizenship question say its inclusion might dissuade immigrants and perhaps many citizens from being counted with a disproportionate impact on Democratic-leaning states. Well, listen, if if Democratic-leaning states have a bigger representation in Congress because of illegal immigrants, well, then they should be impacted. Natil, don't you feel that way? Like if California has a couple extra congressmen because of their illegal immigrant population, I don't think that should be the case. Those those representatives should be apportioned somewhere else. I agree with you to a point there, but I do also I also do feel for states like California um, that do have high populations of not just undocumented immigrants, but the Dreamers, and I think that those yeah. people are left in a lurch and those states see but who the are... solution but, but but the solution for that is not the census the solution, no, no, the for, solution that is... for that is not the census but my my problem is that the census is going to take place before that gets worked out and that might yeah. be factoring into why some of these states are fighting so hard yeah i i mean well if, if that's the case well then get something going on sit on a path to citizenship well unfortunately we can't do that anymore because donald trump has now come out and said that he's done with negotiations yeah. That well, there's no more that, deal on the table. 
Yeah, but it, it takes two to tango, right? He's had it on the table for a while. Where were Democrats rushing to get that done, too? I mean, they shut down the government over it. You know, and, and now he put it on the table and they didn't want to make a deal. With no, it. I, then their thumbs were in their mouths and they were doing yeah. nothing. So, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around. Trump, Democrats, Republicans, everybody. But I mean, to me, fine, you're right. That is that is a valid question. What are we going to do about the immigration status uh, of, of the of the dreamers who are here? I mean, let's let's answer some of those questions. But that's to me. That's not that's not an argument against asking about citizenship on the on the census for me that's an argument towards solving those problems so that when somebody comes and asks you about citizenship it's not an ambiguous question i just wish that problem could be solved before the census happens because the census happens how many every how many years every 10 and so and we do i mean we do updates but but the census for apportionment the constitution every 10 years now, and so they we, do, won't, we won't have a new apportionment for another decade after this they do community surveys, and they they right, but but in terms of apportionment, that's every ten years. And and by the way, uh, a lot of states use so it's not just Congress. Um, like here in North Dakota, we will after the census is completed and the data is in place, we will redistrict. There will be a redistricting committee. We will redraw the lines here in North Dakota, even, uh, and and make decisions about how many, you know, how many legislative districts we have and which parts of the state have certain number of legislators and, and everything else. I mean, so it, it's not just at the national level, it's at the local level that this impacts too. So I don't know. I, I don't see what the big deal is, but 17 states suing the federal government as well as six cities led by New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who likes suing the Trump administration a lot. It's done it a lot. Um, I don't well, know. Well, hey, now, we sued the Obama administration a lot in North Dakota. We sue the federal government a lot in North Dakota, regardless of who's president. Um, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDA1.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rockport 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 Email talk at WDY.com Yeah, news is uh, Ryan Zinke is the uh, is going to be the uh, keynote speaker for the NDGOP uh, at their convention this weekend which is just I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't. I'm I'm just so completely underwhelmed by it. Uh, I was. I well, thought. I mean, there was, there was speculation be... that it was going to be. There was speculation that it was going to be Trump. Now, I never really thought it was going to be Trump, mostly because Trump. Um, in order to do that, like, th- there's a lot of logistics that have to happen for that. But it's hard not to be underwhelmed when the Democrats had Joe Biden come in and right. speak. Right. The Democrats had the former Secretary of State. Uh, the NDGOP has a relatively minor uh, cabinet official. I mean, don't get me wrong. Secretary of the Interior does a does an important job. Absolutely. But from the perspective of, of politics, it's just not it's not a big star power. It's move. not going to be a draw. Nobody, nobody, nobody's like, oh well, I got to go to the convention now. Ryan Zinke speaking. 
I mean, all, all due respect to Mr. Zinke, and I'm not trying to run him down here. It's just, yeah, I, I would, I would not. I mean, this, this is there's, there's going to be a lot of snickering about this, and you know, maybe there should be. I don't know. It just seems, it just, it just doesn't seem like a particularly good pick for for the Republicans. It, it doesn't, you know, a particularly. And again, I mean, it's going to be. It's not like, it's not like it's going to be a low key cycle here in North Dakota. I mean, the House race is going to be competitive. Max Schneider is a strong candidate for Democrats. You know, Republicans are going to have to nominate a strong contender, uh, and it, that's going to be a race. Even more so, the United States Senate race has national implications. The major, majority control of the United States Senate is at stake. Republicans have a good chance of picking up a United States Senate seat here in North Dakota. They got their best possible candidate. So you would think at every step of the way, this election cycle, they would be looking to put their best foot forward. And uh, they got Ryan Zinke, which I just I feel like they could have done better. I mean, at, at the very least, get one of the Trump people who are on cable news all the time that people are going to recognize. Get like a Kellyanne Conway or someone. Right? You want real star power, or yeah. maybe you want real star power. You bring in you bring in somebody with a big name who, who's in the headlines all the time. I'm thinking of Chris Christie. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Come get, bring Chris Christie in. Let him throw some. Although Chris Christie's not that popular. No, but he doesn't have to be days. popular. He just has to be someone who's going to get throw some talking. bombs, make some headlines, there put some go. butts in the seat. There you go. Now, and to, to be fair. The NDGOP GOP is doing really well. They've got a lot of delegates lined up. In fact, I, I think they're I think they're already well above where they were in delegate count from our last midterm election, our last midterm convention. So, you know, they're doing good on that regard. Um, Vice President Pence was just in the state campaigning for Kramer. Uh, as we said last segment, Donald Trump is almost certainly going to be in the state campaigning for Trump. But why waste? I mean, the convention is and, and I don't know, maybe the average voter doesn't care. You know, maybe maybe by October, the average voter in North Dakota is going to have no idea who spoke at the NDGOP convention. But I don't know. It just seems like every if if, if you're gonna if you want to beat someone like Heidi Heitkamp, who is a uh, despite my criticism of her, is a great campaigner, is a skilled politician. She knows what she's doing. If you want to beat her, I think you got to put your best foot forward every step of the way. I'm not sure this is the best foot forward for the Republicans. Ryan Zinke. Good Lord. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see. Joe has a bunch of made-up information about gun violence that I'm not even going to bother to read on air because he's stupid. Uh, let's see. Bob, email. Seven, uh, Bob, uh, the Dems do not want the truth on how many illegal invaders are here. They want to keep extra Congress people via the population. Uh, Dems want and are allowing inv- invaders to vote via no voter ID. I don't know if that's their motivation, but it's not good. Uh, Lyle, talking about the census thing, emails, uh, see Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution specifically directs the census. Framers wanted a count of all people in the country, not just citizens. Asking about citizenship may lead to an undercount. But I don't know that that's the case. Article 1, Section 2 does specifically direct the census for the purpose of apportionment. 
I, well, where are we saying that, that the framers wanted a count of everybody in the country and not citizens? I, I don't know how we're reaching that conclusion. Chris emails, Rob, I think everyone in the U.S. should have to answer the census, citizen or illegal. If you refuse, much like a sobriety test or a DWI, you should be punished accordingly. Maximum penalty on a DWI. I believe the census is a federal questionnaire, so does not complying constitute a felony. De- deportation. It's anonymous, so what's the big deal? Simply comply, people. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's, I think there's a question. There are people who are upset uh, who think that, you know, if, if you answer, if you say I'm not a citizen when you take the census, that they're going to turn around and use that data to then start arresting illegal immigrants. That's the fear. Uh, and as far as compliance, I, there is a penalty for not taking this, not responding to the census. Right, Natil? I think there is. I think there's a fine or something. I don't I honestly It's not don't jail know. time. But even so. It's hard to track down everybody. I mean, it's hard to you're just not going to get 100 percent compliance. I just don't think it's possible. You know, so the idea that we're going to put a bunch of people in jail for not taking the census, I just I'm a little dubious. Eric emails Rob. So all of our courts in the land are wrong and are breaking the law. When you report for jury duty and they ask if you are a U.S. citizen, will Chuck and Nancy come to my rescue? I don't see what the big deal is about. I don't have a problem with illegals, people who are here illegally taking the census. But I, I think it's important in the census count to distinguish between citizens and non-citizens. I think it's important data to know. I think you asked the question. More to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about publishing notices in the newspapers. Is it a good idea or is it just a handout to the newspaper industry? State Senator Yana Murdahl's on next. Don't go away. The Bismarck Tribune media reps tout value of publishing North Dakota County's public notices. Do you read the public notices section of your newspaper? Uh, I do, but we've already confirmed the deal. I'm a big dork. Um, <laughs> it's I actu- true. I actually once got a story out of the public notices section. Um, you, you've told this story. I did. Yeah, there was a there was a situation where a housing uh, a housing official, public housing official in the Grand Forks area, uh, was engaging in nepotism, was allowing his daughter, uh, who was also working for his office, to to rent out one of the low income housing uh, faci- uh, units, uh, despite the fact that she didn't qualify for it. Now they got caught. There was a public notice published about it. There were no media reports on it, however, until I picked it up. Uh, and then the Grand Forks Herald subsequently picked it up. I still remember I, I was emailing with the reporter who ended up writing the story for the Herald. He was joking with me. He goes, you scooped us because you read our paper closer than we do, Port. Uh, which I was kind of proud of. Um, anyway, the public notices are important, but the question is, where should they be? It doesn't make sense to continue publishing them in the newspapers. Now, let's let's be clear. This is a, a not small revenue stream for the newspaper industry. Uh, the cost that lawmakers were told of, of running these notices for a two-year budget cycle is about $3.7 million. Um, that's a not insignificant amount of money. Um, what's being considered in the legislature is draft legislation that would allow county governments to publish their meeting minutes on their website rather than in the local paper. What do you make of this? Here to talk with us about it is State Senator Yana Murdahl. Yana, how's it going? 
I'm good. I'm good, Rob. How are you? And, you know, I have to admit, I'm a dork, too, because I actually do sit down with coffee and read those uh, those uh, those notices. But I guess in my current job, I need to do that. So I'm a dork with you. <laughs> yeah, well, but but you don't think they should be published there anymore. Well, actually, you know what? Uh, that's not fully correct. I just think we need to leave it with local control. I, you know, I've said very openly in our hearings, and by the way, Rob, this is not the first um, biennium that, that this has been a discussion. And right. I get that it's a, kind of an emotional discussion. It's kind of, you know, we're in this paradigm shift from, from paper to, to Internet. I, I get all that, and I, I'm not certainly not the, the, the best uh, uh, data person either. But what I've said is, it is I feel like it's an un funded mandate from the state down to the counties and, and local subdivisions. And so I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with us sitting in Bismarck as state government and passing down 142 requirements, by the way, in the century code of public notices, some of them really uh, obsolete. One of them I think is up, it should be obsolete is reporting um, election results. I mean, isn't that newsworthy? Isn't that something you would report anyway? As a, I, as a, I, I, as a I feel like that already happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, plus, it's all available, right? So, so I just think we need to leave the choice with the local control, with the local government. They're the ones who who assess the taxes, and certainly too much, right? Lately, and they're the ones who spend it. Why would we sit as legislators and tell local subdivisions what to do when we don't write the check for it? That's that's my biggest argument for it. Having said that, Rob, transparency is urgent to me. You know that about me. I'm a conservative. I think transparency is very important. We're just talking about whose money is it and what tools do we use that is, most, that is the most effective tool today. Why not leave that decision uh, with the local authorities? 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. So your argument is essentially a local control argument. You're not saying that this is not the state saying you will not publish in the local newspaper. This is the state saying, listen, counties, it's it's up to you to decide how you're going to do this. It's got to be published in some way, just not necessarily in the paper. Well, exactly. And I think reality to me is we have in my district, I think, uh, Rob, six weekly newspapers. And amongst all of us here on the farm, I think we get five of them. And I read them. Of course, certainly it's my job, but I I was raised to read newspapers. I do. Uh, But I must confess that probably 90% of my news I get on the internet or on, you know, whatever, whatever, on Twitter or whatever. And I think most people do. And I think um, it's a little... To, to argue that that we're trying to shut down transparency when North Dakota actually is one of the leading states in transparency is 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 just not yeah. the right argument. I think we're talking about the funding of this. We as the legislators cut the budget, as you know, like twenty seven percent. We're we're expecting local subdivisions to do the same, and yet we're sitting there mandating, oh, but you can't do this. And um, like I said, I understand the local newspapers and the newspaper industry is invaluable. Um, I think I pay. 35 40 bucks, 50 bucks a year, uh, Rob, to get that paper. I, I'd gladly pay 10 15 more bucks to get that paper. Having said also that, that we're trying to not be transparent, I used to sit on the school board here. How many people show up at the school board or the county commissioner meeting or the city council? That's usually zero for years at a yeah, time. Yeah, but that's so, not, but that's not a very good argument for, for putting less information in, in the paper. I, and, and listen, I, I don't, because I think, I mean, there's, there's obviously, there's no question the newspaper industry has a financial interest here. I mean, there's just no doubt. I mean, it's it's yeah. three point seven million dollar, you know, almost almost two million dollars a year in revenue flowing to the various newspapers in the state to publish these things. That's 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 not a small amount of money. Um, 
that said, uh, you know, so, but I, but I, to me, that's irrelevant. I, to me, the decision shouldn't be made on uh, this. Isn't this? This was never intended to be a subsidy of the newspaper industry. Should not be a subsidy of the newspaper industry. It should be based on policy. What's best in terms of keeping our citizens informed? What about this question, though? Because I go to some of our rural our rural areas. Uh, they do not have very sophisticated websites. Um, putting this data on there, granted, well, well, not necessarily a sophisticated process. Um, you know, I mean, there's probably going to be need to be some money to, to to build out some websites so that they have the capability of doing this and training people to do it and, and making sure they can keep up doing it. Because I have a feeling, um, you know, just posting it on Facebook or something's not going to cut it. Yeah, is that correct? And and we and we discussed that, and, and this is a very worthy discussion to have, and that's why we didn't make any decisions yesterday. Actually, in committee, we're going to keep looking at it through this interim and suggest something by next session. One of the people that came yesterday was a company out of California, which is the biggest company now. It's called uh, OpenGov, I think, dot com, uh, that are doing this in states like Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, rural and cities, and are given the tools. And yes, that there's a cost to that, and I get that, but I think. Entering the 21st century here, just like our governor says, uh, Rob, we need we need to we need to go more digital. We need to be, you know, a, a leading state for for doing technology. I think actually long term, and I was trying to get that um, uh, kind of conversation going yesterday. If we put on the internet, if 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 the local subdivisions decide to do that, or decide to do both, or there's nothing, nobody denying the papers putting the notices in there anyway. Uh, they just wouldn't get paid for it if, if the local subdivisions or local people decided so. But I think, I think to say that we don't have the, have the uh, systems ready now is, is, does that mean we're not going to go forward and get them ready? And so I yeah. think we need to look 10, 15 years down the road, because if we can get these yeah. on the Internet, I can sit and compare Park River's budget with Cooperstown's budget on one page on my, on my computer if I use OpenGov. So, and that might actually eliminate costs long-term for the counties. Well, why the don't cities. we do it? I, here, because here's the thing, because the counties are saying, well, we don't want to go through the expense of putting this on, you know, you know, publishing this in the newspapers. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah. I remember I remember a few couple of legislative cycles ago, a uh, former state representative by the name of Blair Thorson from District 44 in Fargo uh, mm-hmm. introduced legislation. He, he's the reason, by the way, we have an online statewide spending database. If you want to search the state's checkbook, and see who they're spending their money on, that's searchable. Yep. It's on the Office of Management and Budget website. Uh, yep. Blair tried to get legislation to expand that reporting down to the county governments, and the counties opposed that too. So here we were trying to create you know, a statewide database of, of this sort of information. And now, granted, that was you know, specifically budget information, but still a, a statewide database of this sort of information. And that yep. also was opposed to the counties, which doesn't give me a very good feeling that the counties really have transparency in mind here. And, and the well, other thing that, that worries me is... that's a good argument, is, and I think I'm not yeah. going to speak for the counties, but in my district I've heard basically 50-50 from county officials, certainly from newspaper people, from residents, kind of 50-50 on this. The counties now, though, are saying, I think there's only six counties, uh, we were told, that don't have a website. And yes, some of them are, you know, kind of backwards websites and they're not very functional. What we're saying is, let them decide, and then... <laughs> Your power is at the ballot box, right, Rob? So I always say, sure. uh, you know, if you don't like what your commissioners, if you don't like what your school board, if you don't like what your city council is doing, then, then get involved, get to the ballot box, and, and change that. So, again, uh, I understand your argument, but that's getting into the weeds of the decisions that I think needs to be made right. by the people who pay for it, which is the taxpayers and the local uh, subdivisions who, who actually disperse those 
monies. What, what, I, what my about whole this? argument is, why should we sit in Bismarck and hand on unfunded mandates when we can let them decide that? That's my argument. And like I said, nothing has been yeah. decided, and, and I think um, we still need to hear from people. Still need yeah. to hear more details not, from the counties. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a little cynical about local control because it seems like the locals want local control when it's convenient. Uh, and then they want someone else to be responsible True. when it's not convenient. Uh, case in point, property taxes. Every time the property yep. tax bill goes up, the local officials are all whining about the state because they don't want to be held responsible for their local decisions. But yep. something like this, oh, of course they want local control. So I, I yeah, yeah, it, it's, the, it's the, a vicious circle. I totally agree with you, Rob. Uh, I let me, but let me, let me, let me ask. Property taxes, and I go, I, you know, we don't, we don't yeah. do property taxes on the state level. Um, so part of it is education. People need to be educated of who's in charge of what. Uh, but again, I, 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 I can't wrap my head around an unfunded mandate from the state. Right. Um, it was like social services. We, we picked that up because that was an unfunded mandate on the, on the counties. So the state picked that up. Um, that's my argument, but I'm, so I'm open to, to hear more, more arguments well, as me, year goes me... on. Let me throw one more curveball at you because I don't I don't care about I don't I don't I don't care about if we if we print the notices on dead trees and deliver them to everybody's doorstep, and I don't I don't I don't care one way or the other whether we're paying the newspaper. I mean, to me, the revenue, even though I work for a newspaper company, uh, to me, the policy should not be about whether or not it's good for the newspaper industry's bottom line. That's not exactly. what it's about. Exactly. But yeah. but what about this? I like the idea that by publishing this information, and I don't care how the newspapers publish it, if they publish it on their own website, if they publish it in print, um, I like the idea that we're essentially creating a record with a third party with this information in it. Um, and I, I can't imagine a situation where people are going to play around with this stuff, but I worry if the government has exclusive control of that information and the only place you get it is a government website – what stops the government from mucking around on the website and changing stuff? Digital stuff's pretty ephemeral. Well, that was one of the arguments that the Newspaper Association had yesterday. They, they brought up the fact of Facebook and the Russian collusion. They brought up a lot of things like that. But uh, let me flip that on you since you're working for a media, me, yeah, big media yeah. thing. I can flip that on you. Yeah, that's right. And the people I'm say, part of the mainstream well, media now. Fake news, fake news. You know, what if, what if the paper omits something? So those are all arguments that are, are kind of surrounding yeah. this, and, and I understand your argument, but, uh, but I still come back to um, – you know, I say it a hundred times, unfunded mandate. Why, why should the state and why should Bismarck sit and, and tell local subdivisions uh, that they have to spend money on something that they could do a better way when we are expecting them to cut budgets like yeah, we did? I'm, I'm, so that, that's I'm, my question. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily convinced there is a better way. I mean, it's an interesting debate. I just, yep. I don't know. I, I, I like what, I, at the end of the day, I think what I really like is we're giving – we're creating a third-party record of this information, and 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 we're allowing, you know, we're 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 paying the because obviously it takes the newspaper some time and stuff to accumulate the data and publish mm -hmm. it, and that's that's fine. And if you're I, I like to pay the I, 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 taxpayer. You yeah. you 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 decide on the local level. That's how I want it. Yeah. See, right? but I, I I like I like the idea that it's going to be uniform across the state. That we're going to have one way of doing it and not piecemeal. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? It's a worth. It's a worthy discussion. It's going to keep going. Yeah. And so, if you're listening from, you know, across the, my district, it's going to keep going. And and all of us sitting on that committee are are digging our uh, hearts and minds into this, and we would love to hear from people. So, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a listener. Sean asks, how about rather than requiring public notices, the state hosts a central website where all public notices need to be published to. Uh, the state would host this without cost to locals. Well, then it goes back to the states again, right? 
instead of, uh, but if you have it on, so if you're listening, go to OpenGov and, and check that out. That's just one possible solution that, the, that, the, that they can do, hire them to do it. It is pretty amazing because I played with it when I came home last night. You can literally sit and I can, if I picked up, and I'm just picking on towns now, so please don't, you know, because Cooperstown, North Dakota doesn't have this and Park River doesn't have it. But let's say I'm in my district and I want to say, well, you know, Park River used this money or Grafton used this money. I wonder what Cooperstown did. I wonder what uh, Enderland did. I wonder what, you know, and I can literally sit and compare things. And for a journalist, oh, my gosh, it would be like a wonderful resource for you guys, just like what uh, Representative Thorson was able to get through from state level. So, um, yeah. you know, well, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one Rob, using the state. Sometimes I feel like I'm on, I'm the only one using the state. You're the only one. I probably. <laughs> it was down once. Did I tell you the story? It was down once for like two weeks. And like I emailed them and I said, hey, this hasn't been working. And they uh, emailed back and they're like, oh, you're the only one that noticed. Oh, See, well, well that's great. and doesn't that go to the fact that nobody shows up at school board meetings, at county yeah. commissioner meetings? Yeah, but that's, that's, a, a, that's a bigger fact. issue that's with apathy. Fact. I mean, that's that's a, that's an issue bigger than this issue. But, yeah. Yana, yeah, thanks yeah, for is. your time. I, I, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for but your I'm time. I'm glad you dig into things, Rob. Keep it going. That's uh, State Senator Yana Murdahl. This is Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. our discussion with state senator yana murdahl about uh well it, and it's probably going to be a hot debate during the uh the legislative session um not least because there's a lot of money on the mind for on the line for the media but um you know it's it's going to be an interesting question sean sends in a message says uh responding to to uh, senator murdahl he goes the issue at hand is notifying the public of opportunities to engage in the political process there needs to be a central place everyone knows to go and a central website would be a good fit. People could also subscribe to alerts when things are, are changed or, or, or updates. Um, I, I think there already is on the North Dakota Secretary of State website uh, a uh, repository for public meeting voter notices. Um, that's a thing that exists already. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I just pulled it up. North Dakota public meeting message. Uh, and you can select your agency. You could create an RSS feed and get the notifications that Sean's talking about. So that already exists for um, public meeting notices. I mean, they got. I'm scrolling down the list here. We have the Aeronautics Commission. We have the Bank of North Dakota. We have the Beef Commission, Bismarck State College, um, the Governor's Office. Uh, on down the line. I mean, you want you click on one and you can find out when their meetings are, see their agendas, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, stuff like that's uh, not bad. Let's see. Email. Uh, got some emails here. Chris emails. Uh, government computer systems always cost more than expected. Look at Minnesota with their DMV issues. If we want to reduce costs, then negotiate cheaper publishing costs with the papers. Don't let some fast-talking California software company sell us a money pit. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm not so sure, Natil. I don't understand why we wouldn't want. It would seem the needs from county to county, and this is a bigger issue than the notices. But, I mean, a lot of the online stuff, there's a lot of variance when you go from city to city, county to county, to the sort of information you can get on websites. Some are great. Uh, some are pretty much non-existent. Well, and a big part of that comes from county funding. 
some counties have more people to pull more funding from than others. Well, I, I don't understand why. I mean, these are all political subdivisions of the state. They all have a lot of the same needs, right? We want a, You want a place to go so that you can find out uh, what the holiday schedule is for garbage pickup or when the next meeting of the county commission is. I mean, it's it's a lot of the same information. I don't understand why the state can't just create like a template website and then just create iterations of it for every political subdivision. Do you really want to know how ridiculously easy that is? I, it's, I know how easy it is. I literally built my job today is because I built a blog 15 years ago. Like this is not. Well, and today it's even easier. Stuff. You can go to a, you can go to Wix dot com and pull together a fully functioning website in half an hour. It wouldn't be hard. Like I use WordPress as the back end for my blog. It wouldn't be that hard to just set up a bunch of WordPress sites. Right. Because you, you could just literally propagate copies of the same thing and then fill in some different, you know, just make it a fill in the blank. It'd be like a Mad Libs, right? It's just fill in the blank. Because in this, right? yeah, because in this specific case, you're not worried about, you're not necessarily worried about protecting people's sensitive data or anything like that because nobody's going in there it's to like. It's just public in, information. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's public a public info. information website. And the point is to have that information publicly. See, but even, even, even there, I think there's a lot of things we could do. You know, I, I think we're doing a better job of consolidating at the state level, you know, getting to a point where you log in. And, you know, you, you could do everything you're going to do from the state from renew your car tags to, you know, get a deer license. Right. Like that should all be one login. You're dealing with one entity, the state of North Dakota. Granted, it's different. So I don't understand, like, if you want to pay your water bill, why that can't all just be run through the state too? like just do it all through one place. I, it's there's no reason we can't be doing that other than politics are complicated and then you get into food fights about local control but it just seems like there's a lot of different there's a lot better stuff that we could be doing about this um well and just because so just be in my opinion just because a the state of north dakota has provided a centralized location for all of that information to go doesn't take control away from the local entities that are providing that information your local it's just county, a clearinghouse. The local county still gets to decide when it goes up, how much of it is going up. When they're going to hold the meeting, what they're going to do with the meeting. It's exactly. just a notification system. I mean, all the website is is just a place to get information. Um, you know, it, it's it's not that hard. It doesn't need to be that fancy. Uh, and once once you got it plugged in, you can set it up to, to, you know, push the information out to social media automatically, push it out. to. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do to allow people to interact with their government in ways that are really useful. Uh, that's the sort of thing that we want. And, you know, I, I thought that we were going to get some of that from Governor Burgum. It, that seems pretty pretty slow in coming. And maybe it's not entirely his fault because, again, you know, you run into this local control thing. And it does drive me nuts. Locals want local control when it's convenient for them, but they don't want local control when it means taking responsibility for something that might make the voters angry. All right, more to come straight ahead. Rundown coming up next is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Atiel, what's out there? Generation Z is already bored by the internet. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. It's kind of old news now. This, well, it's not just that the internet is old news, but there's this idea by the older generation that the because we have the internet in the palm of our hands all the time, that there's so much we can be looking at and focusing on all the time that it's practically impossible to be bored. 
but Generation Z, which is the the current name being used for the generation that's roughly between 1998 and 2010 uh, for date of birth years, has grown up with this. And so they spend a lot of time just aimlessly flicking through different social media feeds, opening and closing different apps, and they're bored. And I think, personally, I think that's great because what that tells me is that today's teenagers are no better off than I was when I was a teenager because I was bored too. Yeah. Everybody is, everybody is bored when they're a teenager. It's part of yeah. being a teenager. Yeah. Is that what we're calling them, by the way, Generation Z? That's that's what's being used right now, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that um, the way that generations are named involves waiting until they're actually of, like, adult voting age. Yeah. Traditionally, I don't know. I don't know that there's a rule for that. You know what I would have called them? What? Post-millennials. Huh? No. I like that better. You can't take the name of another generation and yes, attach it to the... No, yes, you, you can. can't. That's not a rule. It's absolutely a rule. What other generations yeah. are named like that, huh? Huh? I... I, huh? I, I all right. I, listen, I, I think I think with the internet, I think I think there's also a fact, but it's just become a part of our life now. Like like the internet's just an appliance now. Like it used to be this new thing. It was the future. It was this, that, and the other thing. And now I I just think it's it's just not it's not as wondrous as it once was, right? No, and I I think that there are there are still a lot of sort of wondrous things being done utilizing the internet and just computer systems in general. I mean, VR is now something that you can just buy and have in your home thanks to like the HTC Vive and whatever the other one is. I never remember what the other one is called. I mean, to to me, it's... It's not so much the internet itself. Like, like the internet itself has become sort of like cable television, right? The, the things that are on the internet, the different apps, the different services, I think that's still going to be amazing. I, I mean, I still think there's going to be all sorts of amazing things, amazing innovations that are going to happen. I think a better front. comparison then would be like um, electricity. The internet has become like electricity. We've, we've become used to having access to electricity, but some of the things that people are doing with electricity are still pretty astonishing. Like the internet? Well, like the like the internet, or I, making <laughs> making solar powered robots, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, as long as we don't regulate the internet like we regulate electricity. Yeah, we're not getting into the net neutrality debate right now. I just don't want the internet to be a public utility. I think that's a terrible idea. I think you're a terrible idea. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? It's my only good comeback is to take whatever somebody else has said and immediately just respond to it with, "No, you are." Whatever a, you've said. It's wow. my only comeback. You're regressing, Natil. I mean, probably. We are talking about teenage <laughs> boredom. I'm yeah. right back into my teenage boredom years. You're going to go home tonight and snort some condoms up your nose. <laughs> it, this, this article makes it sound so, like, different than any other type of boredom anybody's ever experienced before. But yeah. I don't think it's any different than the way that we used to be bored. I mean, Teens are talking about, you know, laying in bed and just sort of randomly clicking things on their phone. I used to lay in bed with my phone. Te- like, people would text me, and I'd check my texts and be like, I don't, eh. Yeah, I don't think kids realize how good they have it. Um, 
I yeah, mean, but doesn't just, just every generation like, say that about the yeah. generation below them? Oh, you don't realize how good uh, you got. Well, because got every it. because actually, in in all reality, things are getting better. Like I, I mean, just last night I finished reading a book, and I wanted to get another book by the same author. Now, in years past, I would have had to just put my book away, uh, and then, you know, make a mental note to myself that I wanted to go to Walden Books in the mall because that was still a thing back then. <laughs> And uh, and buy the next. And hopefully they would have the book that I wanted in stock, and then buy it. No, what I did last night is I just downloaded the next book on my Kindle. Small thing, yeah, but I mean that's that's kind of amazing. Um, so I don't know. I, I I can understand the internet's kind of old news. I get it. All right. What's next? A mom used a taser to make her son attend an Easter service. Or she tried to make her son attend the Easter service. They never actually what, made it. What, the taser didn't work? They never actually made it to the Easter service. The story is so crazy. Okay. All In right. Arizona, Arizona parent Sharon Dobbins said that she wanted her son to go to an Easter Sunday service with her. And her 17-year-old son would not get out of bed. He was complaining and swearing. And she says she went into... Uh, her son's bedroom, who was already on sort of like house arrest for not being a wonderfully upstanding young man, went into his bedroom with the taser, and she says made the tasing sound at him to get him to start moving his butt. Well, her story starts to fall apart when other eyewitnesses, including the police who saw the two marks on his leg, where the taser impacted him, that she was lying a little bit. I just can't imagine. I mean, listen, uh, my mother had some world. I mean, trying to get me to go to church was not an easy thing to do. Uh, And I'm pretty sure my mother would have resorted to a baseball bat a couple of times if she could have got away with it. So I sympathize with this mom. Like I like I get it. I don't condone it, but I get it. I can't imagine using like a taser on any human being that I know personally. The only time I want to end up using a taser on somebody is if I'm being if I'm being physically attacked. Like if yeah. someone is coming at me, I'll tase your butt. You'll go down and twitch a whole lot and I'll run away like it's the small child that I feel like I am in that situation. You know, you know the other thing, like, like is a parenting tactic too. I hear a lot of like, like people yelling at their kids all the time, like all the time, morning to night. We had neighbors one time. It's just morning to night, yelling at their kids every time they turned around, just loud enough that the neighbors could hear. See, and that's and that's, I always, and I always wonder, like, what happens? It gets to a point where they're really doing something bad. Well, and, that's, and you really yeah. want to impress upon them that they screwed up. Well, I mean, that's another. It, thing I mean, that... at that point, maybe you have to tase them. <laughs> To get Let's, the point across, because you've already set the bar so high. See, I, I I tend to be very quiet with my kids most of the time, to the point where if I raise my voice just a little bit, it's like the world ended, right? So like it's it's uh, I'm I'm very easy going with my kids, very quiet all the time, but then like when they get out of line, I it's a, a look will work sometimes, or just just a sharp, hey, uh, that's enough, and it's like the world ended, and they get right back in line. Yeah, I don't I don't understand yelling at children because you know what one of the first things that a dog trainer will teach you when you're trying to get your dog to stop barking is that you don't raise your voice because then the dog just thinks that you're you're making noise too. 
And then it just becomes this feedback loop of everybody's making noise. You want your kids to start yelling back at you? Yell at them first. That's a great way to get your kids yeah. to raise your voice, raise their voice as well. And then it just becomes noise. Nobody's learning yeah. anything. Nobody's solving anything. You're just making yeah. the most noise. Yeah, exactly. So uh, moral of the story, don't tase your kids. Don't tase your probably kids, not, even if you want them to go effective. to Easter Sunday service. Probably not an effective strategy. All right, what's next? Uh, we're down to our last one because somehow I got two of the same link, but that's fine because segments go in pretty long already. Uh, you may never have to sign a credit card receipt ever again. I think it's kind of dumb that we've been signing all this time anyway. I mean, yeah. I mean, does, that, does, that, does that ever work? I mean, is it ever? I mean, are we imagining that somebody is like, sitting in a small office somewhere, like, verifying all the signatures against, like, my master signature. It's like, well, oh, this one doesn't look the same. I think, I think the fraud. I think the most it ever really did for anybody was if you ended up in a situation where there was fraud, you could go back to see the receipts and say, oh, obviously I didn't sign this one. That's not my signature. See, but now sometimes, like, the other day I went in the grocery store. And there was a nice young lady there who was selling, uh, uh, like, coupon books or something for her dance team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't have, like, because she asked me. And it was, like, 20 bucks to buy it. And I said, oh, well, I don't have $20 in cash right now. I just got She said, well, I'll take a card. And she had a little phone thing with the swiper thing on it. Yeah, the little squares. Uh, yeah. Yeah, worked great. Swiped my card uh, and then asked me to sign with my finger on the phone service. Yeah, I hate that. Now, what is the point of that? I can't. I can't sign like, with like my you're gonna, finger. You're going to get some forensic expert to look at the scribble I just put on this girl's smartphone with my finger and say, oh, that's his signature, all right. Or, <laughs> no, that's not his signature. Like, that's not. doesn't even make sense. It's, it's pretty amazing. But as of April 1st, American Express, MasterCard, and Discover are doing away with signatures for every merchant in North America. American Express is doing it worldwide. Visa is still a little bit more limited as it'll still require signatures if you swipe your card instead of using the chip. Uh, but since most stores now have chip-enabled readers, using the magnetic strip is pretty much going to be a thing of the past in the near future anyway. Yeah. So no more signing for whatever you're purchasing. I'm, I've, I have one of my – so my new card has um, the, the tap thing installed. I love just tapping. Tapping stuff is great. I do that all the time now. That's the best thing ever. I love, I love just like whipping my card out, tapping it, and tucking it back in. Nobody sees anything. And you know, and you know, the thing about it is, like, even even from even from the digital side, it's more secure. Because as I understand, because I use Android, so I have Android. Uh, it's Google, I guess it's you Google do the Pay Google now. Pay, yeah. Right. As I understand it, the way that works is it actually like the app creates like a one-time number that. And then, and then that, so, so actually they never actually see your credit card. Number. It's, it's the same thing with like the, the merchant. It's the same thing yeah. with the chip. The chip okay. creates a yeah. one-time use code. Yeah. So basically they never see your information. So that way, if you run into a situation where so-and-so store got hacked and uh, they got all the credit card information, well, it doesn't impact you because they don't have your credit card number. They just have the one time. So yeah, every time I see that, it works great. The thing I really like about it is uh, the soda machines. You know how nice that is where you could just tap and buy a soda? Yeah, cuz there like was that. so much there was so much space and time where it was like, "Oh, I, I have my Trying card to get and the no dollars quarters. to work through the stupid dollar feeder things." Oh, that was terrible. This now I can just tap my phone get a soda. I like it. Caller Ken, you're on. What's up? Yeah, I was in credit card fraud for a couple years and and while well, I didn't well, deal well, with wait, signatures directly. Wait a minute, Ken. You were in credit card fraud. Tell us. What 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 sort of people did you defraud? 
Well, no, I was on the uh, receiving ends of, of phone calls from frantic people. Oh, you were credit bills. card. Okay. I thought, when you said you were in credit card fraud, I was like, wow, yeah. that's part of the career. Where'd you go to college for that? <laughs> well, guy? yeah, uh, hopefully I stay gainfully employed. Otherwise, I yeah. have a lot of knowledge. There, there, yeah. is, there, there is a muscle memory, even though a lot of people, you know, do their scribble. And what usually happens is <laughs> you'll do the same thing over and over so whatever it is there's a pattern to it they can there's people who can look and tell whether the scribble started from the left or from the right certain things so when fraud comes down and you're trying to pick apart what somebody did or didn't do uh there you wouldn't think that there's much to it but there is huh so so you're saying the signatures were actually valuable they're yeah, not, not not like you're maybe signing your John Hancock to the Constitution. No, but they, they were a. They, whenever there was a fraud case, there was chunk. You know, when did the signature happen? When did somebody report their card stolen? Okay. You know, lots of little pieces that you put together, and the signature was one part. I gotta think the ubiquity of like surveillance video too helped a lot too, because you can you have the time and the date of the transaction. No, nobody can... goes after that because I mean you're you're basically you're sitting on the second floor in South Fargo and and you're dealing with a fraud case. Nobody's yeah. getting that tape. I mean it's, it's not usually not that big of a deal. It's it's oh. thousands of dollars maybe, but to, to be able to subpoena tapes, I, I, that doesn't happen. It, it could, right. but it never does. Well, Ken, that's interesting. Thanks for the input. Appreciate it. All right, Attila, let's wrap it up. You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is the Rob Report. And that's The Rundown. Welcome back, Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000, 888-970-93-29, email talk at The Until interesting news uh, break on the medical marijuana front. Our, our state is still working towards implementing the medical marijuana law. Um, but I guess I had never considered the implications in terms of the corporate farming law. Now, yeah, I mean, we had a decision come down on that today. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I was just I was just reading the opinion, um, and it's it's interesting. I, I guess, and in, in according to the the letter, uh, the letter opinion that Attorney General Stenjum, uh, Wayne Stenjum, issued today, uh, what he's essentially saying is that the North Dakota Se- Secretary of State uh, was quote reluctant to register businesses that intend to apply for a compassionate care center license because the statutory definition of farming in the corporate farming law includes horticulture. Uh, and, and horticulture is defined in the North Dakota Century Code uh, as, you know, well, well I, I guess I guess in the opinion, Senjum says that, that growing medical a medical plant uh, is within the plain, ordinary, and commonly understood meaning of what constitutes the practice of horticulture. But what he's saying is, um, he says, that, and I'm quoting from the opinion here, uh, I quote, the manifest purpose of the corporate farming law is to prevent certain corporations from directly or indirectly engaging in the business of farming or ranching by limiting their ownership of land. Um, thus, any corporation or limited liability company must be cognizant of its land ownership because if it owns or leases farmland or ranch land, corporate farming may apply. Um, and I guess what he's saying, though, is that because medical marijuana doesn't necessarily need to be grown on um on corporate on on farmer ranch land that the ban doesn't necessarily apply 
Um, yeah, because you, you can grow medicinal marijuana in a, a greenhouse or similar. Yeah. It doesn't have to be grown on farmland. Now, as I understand this, though, if they do, if they do try to, like, if you do try to, like, lease some or, or buy some farmland to farm, then I wonder if the corporate farming ban wouldn't apply. Now, what the corporate farming ban is, is basically corporations not allowed to own farm or ranch land unless that corporation is formed among relatives, close relatives as spelled out in the state constitution. Which dis- uh, which discludes even relatives as close as first cousins. Right. Uh, and I, I, I don't like it, honestly. I think we ought to get rid of it. We're one of the very few. I, I, think, I think it's us in, like, Nebraska that still have them. We've tried uh, to get rid of it in the past, haven't we? Well, the legislature tried, and, and they did create an exemption, although I think there's a lawsuit pending over it. But they did create an exemption for um, swine and dairy farming. Um, and, and it's, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, they've got to be relatively small operations. So they did create an exemption from it. I don't understand. Like if, if you and I, Natil, can organize ourselves uh, into a corporation to sell lemonade, uh, or apparently to grow m- medical marijuana or to do a lot of other things, why can't we form ourselves into a corporation to farm wheat? Like what's I don't understand why we can form a corporation to sell lemonade, but we can't form a corporation to grow the lemons that are going into our lemonade. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, now the idea is what I mean, it was created because they didn't want the big farm companies to come into the state and buy up all the land and drive out the small farmer. But, you know, on the other hand, what it creates is a situation where a lot of times the farmers can't deploy economies of scale. I mean, that's one of the advantages of organizing yourself into a corporation is that you can become bigger and you can spread some of the risk around. I mean, a corporate structure could not eliminate a lot of the risk from farming because there's always going to be risk, but could certainly mitigate it. Um, So anyway, I I have problems with our corporate farming ban to begin with, but apparently it's not going to be an issue for medical marijuana. I think as long as they stay off farm and ranch land. Now, if if they buy farmland to grow medical marijuana, then I think it applies. But if they if they're gonna if they have the grow operation in like because a lot of times they grow this stuff indoors, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think I think the compassionate care centers are limited to a certain number of plants. What is it like a thousand plants? I'm not exactly sure the number of plants they're restricted to. Oh yeah, here it is. Two authorized compassionate care centers will not be allowed to possess more than one thousand plants, regardless of the stage of growth. Okay. So they're relatively limited in size. So so no single, I mean, it's not like there's a big there's a situation where you're going to have corporate medical marijuana growers buying up a bunch of land in North Dakota. They're already limited in scope, and probably these operations are going to be indoors, probably in, in land zoned for corporate anyway, something like that. But anyway, interesting, interesting question as we continue to uh, implement that law. Hey, I'm live from the Lignite Energy Council meeting, uh, Lignite Energy uh council conference in uh, bismarck tomorrow broadcasting live uh be back to a regular show on thursday then friday broadcasting live from the andy gop convention thanks for listening you can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m monday through friday on 970 wday am 93.1 fm or 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening we'll talk again so,